One of my memories of going to church when I was a kid, uh, and I suspect some of you at least have memories like this, is how getting up and getting out the door to go and worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, a truly good and holy thing to do, could lead to the absolute worst arguments. Good, I hear some laughter, which means that maybe you've experienced that too. Uh, just the fighting sometimes to get to church on Sunday morning. Uh, it, when I was a kid, it was pretty amazing. It was really stressful sometimes. Um, there was yelling and hurrying, changing of clothes that were not nice enough. Um, and uh, uh, the horn would sometimes honk in the driveway. And there were terse comments in the car about uh, having to come in the back door of the church uh, so that people wouldn't see us which not so much a problem here because everybody kind of comes in the back. Uh, now, I got to say that, thankfully, um, Chris and I have not argued on Sunday morning for years. Of course, she and the kids are asleep when I leave, so uh, there is that. Honestly, my wife is a saint, and uh, I'm very thankful for all that she did to get the kids to church for all these years. And I'm thankful to all you parents who uh, fight the good fight to get your kids here too. Um, that, that is no small task. And you grandparents out there, you remember what that was like when, when you had the little ones and you know, encouraged that you're those kids. There are a lot of activities uh, that take place to get us all here to this time of worship. And uh, we got up, we got cleaned up, and we brushed our teeth. Thank you, by the way, for doing that. Um, and we did what was needed to get out the door. But for some of you, there were arguments. There was complaining. And that wasn't just the kids. For others, there, there may have been the pain of missing someone who always came to church with you. For others of you, you might struggle to get to church because... You know, you don't really want to be here. But you know that someone that you love wants you to be here, so you come because of them. We're a mixed bag of motivations and memories and, and emotions that all kind of tie into this experience of what happens on, on Sunday morning. That being said, there is something that's at the heart of, of why we gather here week after week. And it's probably actually better to say that there is someone who is at the heart of why we gather. And all of our, our readings today pointed to this, this very powerful reason that we come here. We've come because this is our Father's house. And He's the kind of Father who runs to us even when we are still ashamed of our actions. And He wraps us up in His forgiving arms and welcomes us back into his presence. He calls you son. He calls you daughter. Even when you don't deserve it. We come here because God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus became so thoroughly human that he took our sin into himself. He drew it all in so, so that he could become sin. 
Although he had never done any of these things that that we recognize as wicked or evil or, or broken or human. And why would he do that? So that you could become the righteousness of God. So that you could experience what it means to be a new creation. Oh, yeah, I mean, obviously we still struggle with that old sinful nature. But through faith in Jesus, the old is gone and the new has come. What brings us here, when we get down to it, is God's salvation. This this time of worship. It's full of the, the hope that Jesus gives us. This time is infused with, with holiness, love, forgiveness, and new life. Have you ever thought about that? Or how about this? We come here because God is here. He's at work here to welcome us, to forgive us, to call us to repentance to shape us, to to give us life and salvation. God is here, and he welcomes you into his holy presence for Jesus' sake. Even if the process of getting you here included frustration and arguments, God is here with us. Do do you remember back at, at Christmas time? We talked about a a prophecy from Isaiah. God was speaking to the the king of Judah, and he said, Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Yeah. Do you remember what Emmanuel means? It means God with us. This name is so full of promise and hope because of what sin does to us. Sin breaks our relationship with God. Sin leads us into the paths of separation and death. While God's desire for us is to have life and to have it to the full, God's love for for us moved him to seek a way to, to reconcile us to himself, to purge away the sin, to atone for it, so that we could be with him again. And so what did he do? He knew that we couldn't come into his holy presence. He he knew that on our own, we wouldn't come back to him. And so he hid his holiness and came to us. This is part of the whole mystery of the incarnation and, and why Christmas is such an incredible and wonderful thing, where God comes to us in human flesh. And Jesus, true God and true man, became a holy embryo. The virgin conceived and gave birth to a son, and she named him Jesus, which means the Lord saves. And as the Lord who saves, saves us from sin and death, he is Emmanuel, God with us. Today we read again in Isaiah, a few chapters after that that Christmas prophecy, You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Why was he angry? 
because of my sin. And he turned that away. And where did he turn it to? To Jesus. In order to redeem us. Can can those words be your words? Can these words written some 600 years before Jesus was born become part of how you worship the Lord? And how you come into his presence? And even why you come into his presence? Do they describe what God has done for each of us here through Jesus' death and resurrection? Yeah. As the people of God, these are our words too. As are these. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. That's why we're here. Because salvation is here. There is no other name given under heaven, given to humanity in all of history, no other name by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus, who is Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah says, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And I need to pause on that verse for a little bit of grammar. I know that was everybody's favorite session in school, right? Grammar. Um, There's a little bit of confusion that's going on here. Because in verse 1, when it says, you will say. That's a second person singular. You. But here in verse 3, and also in in verse 4, we move to second person plural. So it's you and y'all. You just can't see that in you know, good grammar, good English. And, and, and here is why that's important. We each receive and experience the forgiveness of sins. Faith and salvation come to us individually, and we respond individually in the singular. But God's salvation also brings us together. It unites us. And we are united in the waters of baptism as God's people, as his children, his family. We've become part of something bigger than ourselves and bigger than the powers and systems of this world as well. And you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make his deeds known among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitants of Zion. That's you, the people of God. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Who's in our midst? The Holy One of Israel. Who's that? It's God. God with us. He is Emmanuel. He's here. He's here so we gather. Because he's giving forgiveness for our sins. He's transforming our lives. He's knit us together as his people And because of everything that he has done, creating us, saving us, dwelling among us, we give thanks 
pray, sing, and we praise him. And, and did you notice as you go through that? We make him known. This is actually central to who we are as the people of God. We are people who have received, who have experienced God's salvation. And that's good news. And so we make him known. We tell other people about what he's done. It's not about trying to convert people or getting more members for the church. This life that we live in Christ is all about God's salvation. Our identity as God's people is rooted in how God has turned his anger away from us and onto Jesus when he died in our place. This life is about being reconciled to God. And when we're reconciled to God, we want that reconciliation for others. Our life is about God being with us. He is present here, doing the work of salvation in our lives. And well, don't we want God to work his salvation in everyone's lives? Doesn't that sound like love? To want good for others? Absolutely. And so we make him known. We make him known to our children, to our friends, even to our enemies. Because we love our enemies, right, people of God? Didn't a friend of ours once say, love your enemies? Yeah, and that's who we are in Christ. And there can be no kinder deed than helping someone get what we have. Reconciliation from God and his salvation in Christ. Amen.